Cineboys to Cinemen episode 10. 10. 10. Bloody hell, we've made it. We've done it. We've done it. Double digits. Lovely. Over after this. Yeah, no. That's it now. (laughs) Get to 10. Sack it off. Move to Skeggy. (laughs) Finally, move to Skegness. Uh, Hope you're well, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. This week, Scream 6. Hmm. Something that we have been quite excited about for the last week, I think, to talk about. Yeah, um, definitely. Because it lends itself to a quite a broad discussion, not only about the film, yeah. but uh, the Scream franchise, yeah. the slasher film, yeah, and the career and themes of Wes Craven himself. Nice. Uh, so, lots of things that we really wanted to talk about. Yeah, um, yeah. This, the release of this film was the perfect opportunity to do so. Yeah, we haven't done... Done any horrors? This is the first horror. I mean, I mean Ennies Men. Ennies Men was, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess this is uh, the most, yeah, the more overt horror yeah, yeah. film. So probably the first one, it's really, in that regard. Firmly in that genre, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's not art house. Is no, it? yeah. And I don't mean that in a critical sense at all, but yeah. yeah, I think it's fair to say our first proper horror film, really. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Should we get into it? Let's do it. Questing the cinematic Okay then, so format of the topic will go as follows. Yes. Craven. Yep. Discuss Craven. Cravendale, the uh, the milk. Cravendale, the milk. Yeah. And then that's it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where's Craven? And then we'll talk a little bit about the slasher. Yeah. And then Scream. Yeah. As a franchise, mm-hmm. uh, because for various reasons, it's really fascinating. It um, is. Yeah, yeah. The very nature of it, it is its existence mm. and the way that. The key themes and ideas of the films have grown over the last like two decades, or tw- I think it's like twenty six years. Yeah, ninety six. Yeah, twenty six years. Yeah. So, I think that's a really fascinating discussion itself. Mm. I hope. And then, of course, Scream Six itself. Yeah. Uh, which we have um, both went separately. We've done, uh, a, yeah, yeah. done a few of those, haven't we? A little. Yeah, no, little separate film. lone cinema trip. Yeah, um, I long for you. Really. <laughs> yeah, no, the whole time I was. <laughs> I couldn't was... enjoy the film. I was sort of just. Yeah, just crying. Yeah, just sat there, sort of. The <laughs> just was sobbing. The people next to me got up and left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they complained. And yeah, anyway, I asked so, the guy um, next to me to put his hand in my popcorn, but he wouldn't. Yeah, he would have. <laughs> yep, hundred percent. Even though you know where it, what was going to happen. I mean, that's why. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Third degree burns. Right. Okay. So, Craven. Yeah. A pretty seismic figure in the horror genre. Mm. Uh, and I think he. It, 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 in his case, certainly, alongside people like Toe Pooper and Dario Argento. Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi. Yeah. Is someone that is special in the genre because he, I think he gave horror films a sense of thematic or maybe academic weight. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, that could be sort of um, feasted upon mm. or in, in a way that was, I guess that sort of in itself encourages a, a deeper connection to his films. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, obviously, you know, especially around the... It was sort of the seventies where he became prolific, and the horror genre was typically around then not really seen as something to be looked at too much. It was, you know, it was the scares, right? That was sort of what they were there for, and and the exploitation side of things as mm-hmm. well, which Craven himself kind of con- contributed to. But there was definitely something else, especially with like films like Nightmare on Elm Street, where there was just something a little bit extra in there which perhaps wouldn't have become apparent on the first viewing. And yeah, just made them a lot more interesting, a lot more diverse. It's like 
with the exception of any film, I think there's obviously always going to be ideas and something that are tangible and connect to something real. Yeah, so I'm yeah. not saying that you know even the most throwaway horror film doesn't have value in, in the same sense, but I just think filmmakers like him are important because they've, I guess they've sort of pioneered the genre in the sense that it encourages people to think about it in that way, to think about it as something worthy of mm. academic discourse or deeper discussion. It's not... Of course, it can just be entertainment, which horror certainly can be, and in the, in the case of Wes Craven, absolutely can yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. But there's that side to his films, like the filmmakers we mentioned earlier, you know, your Raimi's, your, to- your Toe Poopers, who, yeah, you know, they've created these experiences that can lend themselves to those kind of loftier discussions as well. Yeah, definitely. I guess we should start then by talking about some of his earlier works. Mm, yeah. Did you want to start with Last House on the... Yes. So the yeah the the right house on the yes. Last house on the yes. Yeah. So last house on the yes. It's been a. I have seen it. It's been quite a while, but it was firmly. It was kind of <laughs> the way it was funded was spurious, right, right? For a start, so it was firmly in that kind of exploitation realm, right? Okay. And it's by and large a pretty average kind of movie, like it. It's sort of, it's definitely his humble beginnings for sure. Okay. It was a bit of a nightmare to make as well. There's a lot of, uh, in a weird way, it's a really great way for him to start because, and a lot of a lot of people attest to this with, uh, you know, Sam Raimi and the Evil Dead and just mm. how much of a nightmare it was to shoot because it's effectively just, well, he was, he must be, I think he was like 20, wasn't he, Sam mm. Raimi, just mm. like running around with a camera with his mates, but then <laughs> yeah, it was also yeah. semi actually funded and people were like actually work on it as well, so. It's a strange one. I'm not a huge, like, it's kind of a cult film, Last House on the Left, but okay. it doesn't, for me, it, it it's just an unpleasant watch. Like, it's not, it's, it's really uncomfortable viewing, and that might well be the point, but, um, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to be rushing to see that one again, really. <laughs> okay. Um, but his next film, I think it's his next film, Hills of Yeah, Hills of yeah. was his follow-up, wasn't it? Yeah, that's that was a, that has a lot more... Has a lot more to it, I think. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting you make that point about the the uncomfortable nature of uh, Last House on the Left because I think that ties quite nice into the sort of like the horror films of that time in, in in the sense that they all were uncomfortable to watch on the basis of how cheap they were, and I think that cheapness really yeah. lends itself to the experience of watching these horror films. Mm. And firstly, if you consider them historically as films that were a response to you know a very conservative period of history yeah yeah well, not everyone was obviously conservative but people you know the dominant ideals were certainly conservative mm. so exploitation cinema horror cinema these are like the most rebellious and extreme sort of attempts to remedy that i guess yeah yeah um just as films separately to that i mean if you think about texas chainsaw massacre i mean mm. i know we're making a bit of a leap here but so much of the reason why that film is so effective is because of that cheap aesthetic yeah it ties in and in that that's one of those i guess i don't know if it was like I'm sure it was probably deliberate, but to me, it feels like a bit of like a happy accident that it was like that. Mm. The themes of the film, the ideas of the film, the narrative, all is just sort of like held together by the aesthetic of that movie. Like yeah. without that grainy camera and the way that film stock, cheap film stock responds to light and yeah. dirty, like <laughs> that film wouldn't be half as impactful as it, as it ended up being. That's true, actually. Yeah, and maybe that's the same... Uh, with Last House on the Left, I just need to revisit it. So I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre again quite recently, uh, ahead of watching the second one, which we discussed last week. Mm. Um, and yeah, you're right. It is just it's just so textured and so mm. like ingrained in a time. And 
the the cheapness of it feels charming and like you say it feels feels genuine yeah um, it feels really it almost sort of that texture further embeds the themes of the film mm. you know in a way that I, I mean i don't want to say that all films that have like a sleekness and a visual start them don't do that of course they can but i don't know like in this instance it's totally mm. it, i think it's essential yeah. to the film and i think that applies as well to hills have eyes hills of eyes feels to me like quite a nice partner piece to texas chainsaw massacre yeah yeah is these films about groups of people going out into these untouched, sun-scarred yeah. parts of America yeah. and uncovering these hidden horrors. And what I love particularly about Hills of Eyes is that, you know, it's this sort of exploration of white middle-class America. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, okay. you've got the, yeah. the, and how the family sort of fragments in this situation, you know, and, and, yeah. and the hierarchies of the family sort of crumble. Yeah. And it, you know, like, I don't know, like, I just think it's a really interesting way to take that apart. Mm. Um, and it ties to what we were saying earlier about the nature of horror films being a response to this really conservative time. And obviously at the centre of that conservative ideology was the family. Yes. The sacred, yeah. the sacred nature of family, spearheaded by the patriarch, the loving wife underneath, yeah. and the kids, the future, you know. So that Purity. Kind of, yeah, yeah, that sort of 50s, that probably coming from the 50s. Right? Yeah, the, like the, the big boomer family. sort of, yeah. yeah, the sort of shockwave of the, the sort of the boomer effect. I mean, um, yeah sort of continually radiating through those generations and I think in that film he really sort of for the lack of a better term slashes it <laughs> to yeah. ribbons you know and yeah. he, he unearths the, the horrors within mm. as much as it is about you know the, obviously the antagonists of the film are these disfigured like um, mutants aren't yeah, they yeah. Like yeah. In result of inbreeding am I yeah, right in thinking I believe that so, yeah. yeah yeah so there's something to be said there and some something to explore there but for the, I think I found the most uncomfortable parts of that movie were with that family as opposed to the other family that we were you know that (laughs) i guess like at least on a visual level should draw more disgust yeah yeah it's funny that yeah Yeah. no i I think that's a great film i really really like it Mm. i like those like i said i mean obviously you can guess by my almost constant enthusiasm in these episodes to for texas chainsaw massacre my willingness (laughs) to bring it up but i love those early horror movies and i love particularly those ones from filmmakers that with the benefit of hindsight, you know, are going to go off and like shape the me- not only shape the genre but the medium as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was. I, I don't know why I hold Hills Have, Have Eyes in a lot higher regard. Maybe I think maybe what it was is at the time I wasn't as accustomed to that sort of cheap style of filmmaking, mm. and I, I might have discounted it as being uh, a bit naff. Yeah, yeah. Um, without kind of realizing its cultural worth. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. It feels rebellious as well, doesn't it? Like when mm. you watch them, you, you feel like a group of people are like going off on their own sort of nightmare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're, they're breaking away from all this stuff and it's been funded by people. Everyone's maybe there's just sort of this growing sense of discontent. <laughs> yeah. And they want someone to go out and make a movie that's really going to rattle the cage and piss their parents off. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think there's like there's that sort of spirit in the horror movie, which. I don't know if that can be replicated. I mean, obviously, I wasn't born in that era, so I don't want to sound like one of those people who goes, it won't get better, you know. Yeah, I'm not no. saying that, but I just think that as far as the horror genre goes, it's quite hard to shock people on a seismic enough level now Yeah, in the, in the way that they did back then. No, yeah, I think you're right, and I think uh, that's partially down to technological advancements and, you know, global... The, the idea of the the old the earth getting smaller we've got all smart all got smartphones and it's difficult to write yourself out of that corner mm. without being cliched yeah. but back then obviously it's it was you know it, it wasn't 
beyond the realms of possibility that you just get lost in the middle of nowhere and have nowhere to go and no yeah. one to ring and and that that was enough like that yeah. that meant these these stories could kind of blossom from that idea but nowadays it's you know just because i mean fuck it's it's expensive to make a period piece so you could make a film set in the 1970s where the same thing happens but it's expensive, yeah, yeah. and so if you want to make a cheap horror film, you gotta have some smartphones in there. Yeah, which, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to rag on that side of things. There is still a lot of potential to shock people, absolutely. Mm. But I just think, in the way that these films shocked pe- the the wide pop- the wider population, yeah. these films were getting banned. I mean, it's mm. you know, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Not keep mentioning it, but that was banned for a long time, and. Yeah, in the UK, certainly for a really long yeah, time. The yeah, Video nasties um, yeah. and that kind of thing, which is fascinating in itself. That would be a great episode I think to discuss. So. Just video nasties. That, that just happened then. Yeah, Organic. There, we there you go. Yeah, we'll, oh well, let's do that. We'll shoot, we maybe. shall. Not, yeah, maybe yeah. not next, but no, let's put yeah, that in the, yeah. in the back catalogue. Yeah, yeah, episode 46. <laughs> episode 40. <laughs> yeah, that's what I really like about, about those movies, and particularly Craven's early efforts. Mm-hmm. I know I've mentioned it already, but Nightmare on Elm Street is one of my favourite horror films ever. Yeah. I'd say it's def- it might even be in my top five, personally. Wow, okay. Um, I have a bit of a story behind the the reason why I wanted to watch this film. Uh, I was kind of, I think I must have been like 13 or something, mm-hmm. and I was really getting into horror, but like I couldn't really blag watching more than a 15 on a regular basis. Right. Yeah. I think I was shown Alien a lot earlier, but my parents were, they were really nice about it, but they were quite selective about what kind of 18s I could watch. Like they, they had to have reverence for, for a film. For the material right? so before like, they, right. Okay. So I, you know, I, I it's got quite an interesting way to do it actually. I think it was great. Yeah. I, I thought like, you know, they know that I'm going to watch this kind of stuff anyway, a lot younger than I should. So why not introduce the ones they loved to me? Yeah. So you've got like American Wealth in London, you've got like uh, Alien, obviously that's a big one. I watched both of those when I was like 11 or 12. Wow, okay. And then I was like 13. The next one, it was Christmas Eve and my dad was like, I bought you uh Nightmare on Elm Street 1 to 6 DVD collection. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, yes. And we were having a party and some bloke told me the plot to the whole film because he was so smart. He, he drank a whole bottle of gin. and <laughs> Just and, ruined the film for you. Well, he got it wrong. <laughs> Massively. But oh. he, he did recount what he considered to be the plot for A Nightmare on Elm Street to be. But he told me Freddy Krueger was electrocuted, not burnt alive. So immediately, that threw, maybe he was trying to throw me off. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, yeah. So I finally got to watch. I was really excited. And... um yeah, it just it just delivered on so many levels. Mm. Like there's that wonderful opening scene. Um, I can't remember her, her name. It's not Heather Langenkamp. It's uh, it's the blonde one who actually ends up getting killed quite early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's having a nightmare, and uh, it's it's cut intercut between Freddy Krueger making his glove. Oh uh, yeah, the, the yeah, hand. yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And there's a bit at the beginning with like a sheep or so, or like a lamb or something inside this horrible wet corridor. And the sound effects, so gloriously 1980s. It yeah. was just like, and every everything was so kind of embedded and quite like similar to Texas Chainsaw, like everything was all scratchy and horrible. And like, yeah. and the score as well was just, just, it just all worked so amazingly. And it was uh, dreamlike. 
and that was that is what I think the sequel certainly lacked and what the first one did so brilliantly the whole thing was a bit dreamlike mm. and which obviously lends itself to the themes of the film really heavily yeah I just like absolutely love Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy Krueger in the first one is legitimately horrifying to look yeah, at yeah he is, um, yeah he's he's a bit of a character like he kind of chases people around like like a Warner Brothers villain or like I mean a, that yeah, speaks to Craven's sensibilities in terms of like a a wry sense of humour in his films. Yeah, Which will, I think becomes obviously more fully formed in Scream, which we'll leave for later on. Yes, definitely. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I, just, I think that's a real... One of the main parts of his movies, I think, is yeah, that sense of humour. Yeah, there's a playfulness to it. Yeah, all. that's um, a probably a better way of saying it, yeah. I think... Uh, you know the characters don't react to that playfulness as being playful, and that's crucial. They're terrified. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not in the in the sequel. The se- I love the sequels as well because they're three's just, great. Yeah, man. Yeah, Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors that's is so good. Fucking great. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I really like three. That's really inventive. That one. Um, but they don't. They do lack that kind of genuine, like horrific, nightmarish tone. Yeah, that the first one really um encapsulates quite well. Um. And yeah, it's really stuck with me that I watch it about once a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I same box set as well. Oh, very nice, very nice. <laughs> so yeah, uh, no, I love that. I mean, well, I think that's part of the reason I love horror movies so much, and certainly horror films like that. It's almost like you're going back in time with the film in the sense, not just because you're watching a film that was made at that period, but you're also going back to how audiences would respond to those films at that time as well. Mm. So even with, we talk about this idea that horror filmmaking was certainly in its early days, an act of rebellion. Yeah. Well, the consumption of horror films from the audience perspective was also considered yes. an act of rebellion. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think such a huge part of why I love it is because when I sit down to watch a horror film, obviously I'm 32 now, so there's nothing rebellious <laughs> about sort of yeah. a 32-year-old with a growing waistline, waistline <laughs> sat on his sofa eating like his third slice of ginger cake watching a horror film. But I think like when you're, you sort of channel that feeling of being young, Mm. and sitting on the sofa and you're sort of snuggling up to your parents or you're watching on your own when they're out or you're at a friend's house with parents that are more lenient than yours yeah yeah (laughs) or they just don't know Mm. you know and it it feels like you're doing something a subversive act even though it's obviously at this stage in our lives not at all no but it channels that and i think it's like a cross-generational shared experience when you're watching a horror film particularly horror films from the 70s and 80s that Mm. you are almost it's almost like the same rituals that those those kids of that time and those young adults of that time were taking part in. Oh, definitely. Yeah, Albeit, yeah. obviously, the context is completely different for us. But mm. I don't know, like, and it's obviously just our approximation of what that was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that, in a way, it's why it's so special. I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting point that you, you know, alluded to really nicely. I don't remember any anything specific, but I do remember thinking, like, yeah, a couple of times, definitely when I was, like, sat watching a horror film, I had, like, the remote in my hand, like, yeah. ready to change yeah. that channel. If yeah, I had yeah, one yeah. noise, channel one, BBC, 10 o'clock, like, <laughs> evening yeah. news. George Alagaya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Calming face of George Alagaya. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Babysitter comes in, like, oh, I'm just watching the, the old evening news. Yeah, oh, <laughs> FTSE 100's down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, no, I, it's, I, I think that's really, yeah, I love that, and that's part of the again that playfulness of horror movies yeah um which is so central to craven's brilliance mm. i think again that ties into why his films are so impactful in that nostalgic sense as well a lot of these the central characters are teenagers right so mm. that's kind of central to the slasher especially the modern mm. slasher mm. 
and it's funny to me that you'd make a an 18 or an r-rated film with those characters so young mm. you're inviting people younger than that age group which are legally allowed to see it to come and watch it as well yeah. that's the whole thing and that again ties it back into into that rebellion yeah uh, that you were talking about i think yeah, yeah, I think Craven uses sort of like again that that sense of fun, the playfulness, uh, the rebelliousness, um, the most incredible design. But there's also like a thematic intensity to Nightmare on Elm Street that mm. I think in three it, they bring it back in. Yeah, um, but it's all about intergenerational trauma, isn't it? Yeah, like you know yeah. this white picket fence again, white picket fence, yeah. conservative America. Mm. Uh, and there's this dark secret underneath. Obviously, the the, the, the death of Freddy Krueger. This yeah, act yeah. of mm. this tribal act of violence. Yeah, yeah. The community has has you know jointly basically committed an act of murder. Yeah, and they all feel that guilt, but they all have gone on. I mean, Nancy's mum is revealed to be an alcoholic yeah, like, towards yeah. the end, and so the cracks start to appear when this fella comes back, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, you're right. I didn't actually think about it in that way, but, yeah, you're right. Because, yeah. you know, the, the, this, yeah, like you say, it's bubbling under 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 the surface. You know, you've got the mm. fathers clad in starchy shirts coming yeah. back in from work, and, <laughs> you know, and all of that sort of stuff, and it's framed as this sort of idealistic way of life, and that sort of is accentuated by Craven's use of the dreamlike yeah. camera movements and the way that everything feels a bit hazy. Everything, yeah. I mean, literally hazy in it. They're, I mean, that is part of the nightmare. The, yeah. The, the reality is that for a lot of these people, they're trapped. Yeah. Uh, they're trapped in routines. They're trapped by the expectations of their peers and mm. people around them. Yeah. Very much in a way that Douglas Sirk, many years earlier, would take down the, or, or critique, more, rather, the American suburbia. I think Craven's doing it here, but just in a way that's, I guess, leaning more into the fantastical, not just to obviously yeah. service the, the horror narrative, but also to allow those themes, the intergenerational trauma, the disconnect between the young and the old, all these yeah. ideas. It just gives them that bit, that sort of sharpness, if, mm. if you forgive the... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the yeah. slight pun. Yes, yeah, the yeah. ever so slight pun. <laughs> um, yeah, I love it too. I, mm. I think as well, the death sequence has been so fucking inventive. Really inventive, yeah. that The first one um, with uh, her kind of floating up Towards yeah. the ceiling, yeah, yeah and then yeah. Um, and just dripping, like kind of smearing her like blood and intestines all over the wall. Uh, it's, it's, and then her boyfriend at the time is just it, it, Tina, isn't it? Yeah, he just shout Tina. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, so and so unexpected because you know she could have just got stabbed in the dream, woken up and got <laughs> just in bed. But like he makes yeah. her float and he makes her kind of go yeah, up. yeah. And then obviously, um, spoil. My point is that spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. Yeah. I can't believe you spoiled the first time <laughs> yeah, yeah. for me, ben. like that guy at a party did. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, he didn't. But uh, anyway, yeah, Johnny Depp's death scene as well. That bit oh where he gets gosh, yeah, I always the... forget that he's in it. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's his first film. Yeah, first go. ever movie. Uh, yeah, that bit where he gets sucked into the bed and then the, the geezer oh, of blood yeah, comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. cool, brilliant, yeah. absolutely brilliant. And we talk about this idea of sequels. Obviously, horror films are abound with them aren't they there are so many yeah and this is i think it links well to when we talk about scream as well because craven plays with the idea of the sequel a lot mm. in scream oh yeah yeah and even the more modern versions of the film uh or modern versions of the ideas in the films rather still play with that idea yeah to, yeah for better and for worse which we'll discuss <laughs> later but i think the reason why horror sequels are never as usually as good as the original 
is that because obviously the studio will will tap into the success of the film. Yeah, yeah. And then they'll go, right, we want more of Freddy Krueger ripping people up. Yep. But not really any of the thematic stuff. No, no. Then so thematic stuff, which is sort of pioneered by people like Craven. Yeah, yeah. Is sort of pushed to the wayside by, I'm going to say it. This might sound a bit pompous, but lesser, less capable hands. Yeah, yeah. And they focus more on the the sort of the visual stuff, the scare stuff. Yeah. Which also kind of hollows out the overall experience. It's all about the kills, right? In the yeah, series, It's just yeah. all about the kills. But which we were talking about with kind of gleeful intensity just then. Yeah, but yeah. Th- there was a reason why we enjoyed them so much was because of that tone, right? Because yeah. of the undercurrent, uh, which is absent in nearly all the sequels. I do love the third one, and I have... Who directed the third one? Do we know? Chuck Russell. Was it Chuck Russell? Yeah, yeah. Oh, fucking hell, Chuck Russell. Director yeah. of Eraser, also. Yeah, yeah. Which I th- is, think is an underrated Arnie film. If Lee yeah. was here, he would staunchly disagree with me on that. So I hope he listens. <laughs> also, uh, director of uh, The Scorpion King, I believe. Yeah, and The <laughs> yeah. Mask. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. Crazy. Chuck um, Russell. I mean, he. I don't know what it is. He. Because he, it moves into a psychiatric ward, doesn't it? Yes. And I, I don't know if that's like more, more like the, the sort of location lending itself more to those themes in a more sort of visceral blatant manner yeah um but i don't know the film it feels like a partial resurrection of the themes that craven explored so well yeah definitely Uh, and it's also ridiculously good fun as well yeah there's a lot Um, of great sort of set pieces in it yeah Um, yeah and that horrible bit everyone remembers with the tendons acting as the puppet strings yeah yeah that's Um, brilliant that is good right that goes goes back to you know the inventiveness of the kills and and how he he's a bit he's playing with them Mm. Uh, where i remember the second one being bit bizarre like that yeah it's a bit where a bird explodes yeah yeah (laughs) uh (laughs) the sixth one's just weird is it yeah, I don't yeah. think I've seen six yet. You know. Oh, mate, it's a treat. Uh, I tried to put it on for bad movie night at uni, and uh, it wasn't bad enough. <laughs> ah, but okay. But it, it was. It is just an odd movie. Yeah, um, yeah. Directed by the editor of the previous five. Yeah. Oh, Weird. Go. Rachel. New Tyler. Nightmare. Yes, I. Um, that that ties in a little bit to Scream, actually. Yeah. I think what he was trying to do with New Nightmare, he succeeded to do with Scream. It, it certainly lays out the blueprint for that sort of industry satire yeah in a way that he would perfect with scream yeah um but i mean i think it's really interesting that he returns back to back to nightmare on elm street and then weaving it into a narrative about the creation i mean meta narratives are his thing aren't they yeah like he is all about that uh as people that have seen scream obviously would obviously know Mm. um but i just think that's a really interesting thing to do yeah, definitely. It's bizarre. I didn't. I didn't love New Nightmare. I thought it was much. It was a return to form by and large. The franchise. I thought the design of Freddy was a bit odd, uh, and a bit like rubbery. Okay. Um, but I do remember enjoying all the scenes where Wes Craven himself is in the film. Oh yeah, and he's yeah, like yeah. trying to explain stuff to um, Heather Lankencap playing herself. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. That was. That was quite fun and um i remember when i watched scream it kind of made sense uh, and i was just like okay he's doing this now this is sort of yeah, his thing yeah. is to um yeah is to be a bit more ref- reflective um, yeah and, and and sort of sort of satirical but not in a way that's always sort of explicitly negative yeah i think that's something that's really interesting to take uh note of did you know actually mm. I should wait. Save this for the screen part of the discussion. But Danny Boyle was offered a chance to direct Scream. I very recently found that. Did out. Did you? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was. I thought you probably would know that, but I just sort of would have. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he, 
I think he'd done Shallow Grave by that point. Uh, okay, um, which to be fair, it would have been quite an interesting. Yeah, thing man. For him. He also got offered to do uh, the fourth Alien film as well. Oh, yeah. I am. Um, I said to myself I wouldn't mention him for a few episodes after like, <laughs> but just, I've done it. I've done yeah, it for you, go, mate. Yeah. No, all good. <laughs> yeah. But I think a lot of them saw that as like a saw Scream as a as a super critical film, and I think what Craven does with New Nightmare, which he does better in Scream, is that he he, he obviously has clear reverence for the conventions that he's satirizing because satirizing yeah. doesn't always mean mocking, extremely no. mocking. Something. I mean, look at like Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, that's looking up. Yeah, it's yeah, looking up yeah. to those films. It's not looking down on them at all. It's homage almost, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I like New Nightmare a lot. I, weirdly, I watched New Nightmare before any of the... Before I re-watched Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, uh, okay. And all the other ones. So uh, it was a bit strange right. to do it in that order. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I really, I quite enjoyed the film. I love the idea that he's upset that he's got killed off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I'm not having it. And then he, he comes into... It, it's multi-layered, isn't it? So in the first, you know, in in the first six, there's two layers to it, which is the dreamscape and then the real world, and then in New Nightmare, there's the dreamscape, the real world, and then the world that we were previously watching. Yeah. Now, yeah. now also in a film, this is quite interesting. Yeah. Other what other Craven film briefly, uh, because a lot of his filmography isn't isn't that remembered. Um, there's like a Eddie Murphy vampire film I haven't uh, heard of. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I really, I quite like Red Eye, which is uh, like a thriller. Yeah, I. it's funny because I only know him for the big hits, really. Mm. And I know for some, you know, for, for a film podcast about... <laughs> In large part about Wes Craven, I perhaps should have ventured further, but we're busy, you know. Yeah. We've got jobs and stuff. We can't do it all, you know. Yeah, I also very only know him for the for the big hits, and I think that's why he's largely and should be remembered. I mean, yeah, we, you know, you can, every filmmaker's got misses, or the majority of filmmakers have got misses. Yeah, but he's... I mean, someone like him, I think you can acknowledge his impact more than you should, sort of. Oh yeah, be bogged definitely. down by an Eddie Murphy vampire film, yeah. which could be good. I don't know. I haven't seen it. So. True. Yeah. Um, Red. I'd recommend Red Eye. Uh, it it falls apart in the third act. Um, it's mid two thousands. Yeah, two thousand and seven. Okay. Uh, it's a thriller. It's not explicitly a horror film. It's a really cool idea. It's just about uh, a woman who goes on a red eye flight and meets a guy at an airport who starts chatting to her, and then when they get on the plane, the plane takes off it's revealed that he's kidnapped her dad and it's just really there's, there's a really great half an hour in it with them on the plane it's really tension filled as like the stakes and John Cusack uh, no. I don't know why I thought that. Killian Murphy, actually. Ah, uh, there we go. I don't know why I thought John Cusack. I think I took one half hard, what's that, <laughs> one quick look at a poster and thought, that's John Cusack, and just closed it. Yeah, it's Rachel McAdams and Killian Murphy. Ah, yeah. That, that rings but, a better bell. A bigger bell. Weirdly, uh, John Cusack would have suited that role, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. He was in a lot of kind of mid-tier thrillers in the early to mid 2000s yeah, wasn't, was, wasn't he yeah yeah, yeah he was uh, yeah good film as soon as they get off the plane falls apart just, did he write that as well or is it just a, did I he think he it? just directed okay. it I think he, he was a bit of a director for hire in some instances yeah. uh, he made like a weird like a light hearted comedy um, amongst all this I guess it's that sort of thing with filmmakers that you can't I guess some people like uh, we always use Link later is the example that you know, one for one for me, one for the studio, sort of yeah. thing. You know, and if you can make great films in both areas, then great. But some filmmakers just sort of bite the bullet, don't they? Make yeah. something for the studio, and then they can go off and realise what they actually want to do. 
Yeah, that's true, actually. I don't know if that's the case with Craven, but it's something worth noting, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Slasher films, then. Yes. Let's sort of zero it in a little bit uh, before we get into Scream. It's a genre that I think has had a bit of a resurrection with Scream and with Ty West's X and Pearl. Interesting Um, you mention those, actually. I want to make a point. I haven't actually seen them, but I want to make a point about them with regards to Scream okay. 6. But yeah. But no, you're right. Uh you got like other films like Don't Breathe as well. Yeah. Uh which um which is really good, really interesting. Are the Final Girls, that's pretty good. It's a pretty decent Netflix slasher. Okay, yeah. And it's similar in the sense that it's looking back on the tropes of mm-hmm. uh, and the the characters in the film are, are sort of aware of those tropes. Mm-hmm. Um does it does it a lot differently from from Scream. I think that, yeah, I think that genre has definitely experienced a bit of a resurgence. Is it, I think we're in the midst in the early stages of one. I mean, it remains mm. to be said how good the quality of the, this resurgence will be overall. Yeah. Um, because I think horror, unlike any other genre, is, well, maybe action. It's sort of the easiest thing to make a lot of shit in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, Very cheap to make horror yeah, films. Um, yeah. You just need a couple of mates and a bucket of blood and technically... Oh, and a camera as well. Might want to buy a camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can kind of make one. Um, Since Scream is a film that is... And, and I've like a couple of the films you mentioned are so indebted to this idea of reflecting on the tropes of the genre or the horror genre or the slasher genre. Yeah. It seems kind of fitting to go through a couple of the key themes of slasher films and then that will lead nicely into... Scream, because yeah. you know it's very much a play playing with those things, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So obviously, the antagonist or the killer of slasher films is usually played as someone that's sort of mentally or physically deranged. Yeah, yeah. Typically male. Yeah. Mm. Which is almost almost exclusively actually. Yeah, yeah. What the interesting thing about it is that it's, it's portrayed as often mute and unstoppable. Uh, which is like the big convention, isn't it? Yeah. So it, it seems to be almost like a superhuman ability that they have to, yes. to be able to resist the punishment that it deals out. Yeah. So shoot them in the shoulder, like no worries. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Stab yeah. them in the leg or something. That's fine. You know. Yep. Um, they're also very big, usually. Like I'm thinking, like Jason. Yeah, Jason. Even yeah, even like. Uh, Michael Myers is quite an imposing yeah. figure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they're both mute as well, actually. Yeah. Freddy is the exception. He's he's a bit of a talker, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. a bit of a fucking chatterbox. Yeah, he is. Certainly in the sequels. But um, Again, I think that's playfulness from Craven, isn't it? There you go. Yeah, and, yeah, and of yeah. course, Goface is, is very chatty. Yes, he is. Well, yeah, but you start on his voice. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, by and large, it is a... It is a definitely like a trope of slashes for them to be this kind of... Hawking, undefeatable... Yeah. Untrappable, recognizable silhouette. Yeah, yeah. Well, they are absolutely. That's, yeah, that's yeah. great. I had not thought about that. Um, the killer's background includes like a childhood incident, accident, trauma. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which again, Craven plays with quite a bit. Ooh. The weapons of choice never projectile weaponry. No. Yeah. Always, always handheld. Handheld. So like knives, axes. Claw yeah. hands, yeah, 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 <laughs> and I, I guess that works in a sort of visceral sense. You know, there's this sort of like um, physic, yeah. There's a physicality to the violence, yeah, yeah, Which, yeah. If if they had like a crossbow or a semi-automatic rifle, it wouldn't really be. Well, it would be a slasher, would it? That's like a, that's in the name mm. that it, it, it's a slasher in the most literal sense, in that they have to use their 
digits to kind of enact this chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's often seen as well in, in some sort of academic circles that the knife or the sort of the, the implement is phallic. Okay, which yeah, plays yeah, yeah. into the sort of gender roles and identities of, of horror movies. Yeah, I can it, see. Yeah, uh, the the idea of um, I, I mean, one of the most. I mean, I, I can't pretend to know what this might be like, but um, the idea of you know a, a girl walks home alone at night, mm-hmm. and and yeah, there is something a little bit dominating about that the the male presence behind mm, and, and their yeah. their ability to oh, it's pretty crude but to sort of penetrate right um, yeah. which is which adds to that sort of sense of unease and that real shock value that yeah. slashers have yeah know? yeah mm. agreed violent deaths obviously yeah. that's central to slashers yep inventive kills uh, yes and that, that that that's what I mean. it lends itself doesn't it the, yeah the the use of the physical weapons the the lack of firearms yeah a firearm is quick. Yeah, it? typically, if you get yeah, shot yeah. in the upper body with something, you're probably going to die pretty quickly. Yeah, you yeah. might bleed out, and that's not very nice. No, I imagine I've never been shot, <laughs> but you know, like getting hacked up or chainsawed or stabbed with a pitchfork in the face or something yeah, like that. Yeah. There's, there's like an artistic uh, element there which filmmakers can use to heighten the grotesque. Yeah, definitely. Which makes the again leaning back on that rebellious idea of the horror experience. Mm. If you want to terrify your fucking grandma and make a, you know. In the in the eighties, this is the way you do it, right? Have <laughs> yeah. get chainsawed in half, or <laughs> the cock stabbed off with a pitchfork, or something like that. You <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> um, conversely, then the protagonist is a single female survivor. Typically, they are the representation of innocence and purity. If you want to rattle the cage, you go for the kids, don't you? Yeah, pretty much. It adds so. adds exponentially to that sort of shock value, and weirdly would broaden the audience because. Not only will teenagers want to watch it, parents might also kind of find that, you know, if if they're so inclined to be entertained by that shock value, then that'll only add to it, right? Yeah. That that scare, the the, the being fright every yeah every every mother's nightmare, right? The, the idea of the child being taken away, mm. and uh, yeah, that that's where a lot of those slashes kind of derive their scares from as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just in the in the grotesque nature of the violence; it's in the way the, who the violence is given to. Yeah, yeah. The girl as well. So, in, in in the context of slasher films, the girl is also someone that would stand out from their social group. Mm. Uh, is never usually the most popular or most attractive girl in the no. conventional sense. Again, I think that heightens the the purity element. Definitely, yeah. Because obviously, bookish. It's and... quite often that the popular girl in in the story is the one that gets hacked a bit early yeah right? early doors she's <laughs> yeah, the one yeah. that's gone yeah because yeah, they're just yeah. it, you know because they're less re- i guess less relatable and therefore more disposable maybe and then the there's the friend group yes so there's the girl who will be within a friend group and this will be like almost like the staging post for the film in terms of like how the characters interact with the, the predicament yeah. that they're in mm. how they plan and move forward but also from a storytelling perspective, it allows the audience to identify and relate to at least one person in that group. Yeah, and then obviously that means if you if you can embed yourself in that narrative, then obviously you're gonna it's, the impact is gonna hit you harder. Yeah, when yeah. That character should they, if they're not the lead girl will die. <laughs> so, which I, which I think is quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, typically, always adolescent as well. Yes. I mean, the victims in 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 horror films aren't necessarily or slasher films. Sorry, aren't always. Uh, adolescents, but the core group tend to be young. Yeah. 
uh, and they tend to be like there's the jock, yeah. the geek, mm. you know, and then the sort of you know, very much the sort of the, the stereotypical archetypes that we're all more than familiar with. Yeah, and yeah. People, you know, everyone knows those archetypes. Oh, so yeah. inherent to the way we. Yeah, not just confined to slashes either. No, you know, no. Screwball I mean, comedies that have the same kind of group. Yeah, of- yeah, yeah. I mean, our viewers, little old Englanders, <laughs> you know, from across a lot of the way we perceive America is through that lens. Right? Oh man, yeah. We definitely. talk about this all the time about how culture helps informs your perception of things, but you know, it's obvious. You know, you the jock that is not an English term. No way, and no. yet we try and attribute that to situations in in England or, oh, pe- yeah. or pe- people that we know in school. And yeah, it yeah. really sort of has shaped our own framework. But I guess horror films, alongside, like you say, comedies and stuff. But I think horror films are probably one of the major proponents of that, at least initially. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, visually, a lot of close-ups. You've got things like extreme close-ups, close-ups, mids. tracking shots. Yes, a lot of those tracking yeah. shots, tracking shots, <laughs> yeah. pans. Eyeline matches and shot reverse shots and zooms. Okay, yeah. yeah. So no, it's not. There's not that much. I guess the camera doesn't need to be that dynamic, right? It's got to be on ground level with these people. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And finally, location. I mean, I'm sort of like just rattling through a few things. I'm, there's loads, but <laughs> suburban. Yep. Woods, isolated areas, or high schools and empty buildings. Um, Would you say middle class? Lower, yeah, lower middle yeah, class. Yeah, typically, yeah. I think so. I doing, think they're always doing all right for themselves, aren't they? They're always, yeah, yeah. all of them always have cars. Yeah, always, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they all yeah, have yeah. cars and really nice big houses, and yeah. uh, money is never really that much of an issue in, no. in these films, which is which is fine because you know got other things to worry about. But uh, yeah, I always find, found that interesting that it never, in stark contrast to other like sort of action cinema, it never really explores. The working class, I guess, no. at least with with the big hitters, right? With Nightmare on Elm Streets and yeah, yeah, yeah like eighty slashes are really concerned with, yeah, that's just that sort of American suburbia, yeah, uh, white picket fence, dad's got a good job, yeah, police nice officer, big house. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> sleepy town with a respectful community, mm. um, yeah, yeah, it's it's strange, isn't it, that they don't tend to go lower. Particularly in that in that in that phase, but I guess it lends itself to the idea of attacking the 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 what is considered the perfect yeah. representation of American ideology. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the reason I sort of listed off a few of those those sort of conventions is I think they're quite important to preface before we talk about Scream. Okay, yeah, yeah. And particularly the sort of slasher logic or the horror logic that sort of dictates a lot of those films because mm. that is central to Craven's sort of more satirical intentions. Yeah. Or, um, and I was thinking about this quite a lot and how, how he sort of does it. And I think the reason I think he's so successful is that he almost sort of like rationalises the logic of these films. Yeah, yeah. In the sense that obviously we as audience members are conditioned by the experience of horror movies and the conventions of horror cinema. So, so many sort of classic criticisms of horror films are when you're watching them is uh oh i would never go in that yeah i'd never yeah. go in the basement i'd never answer the phone yeah I'd just leave the house i'd call the police yeah all these sorts of things but there's almost like a sense of realism in, in the way that craven employs those decisions that these characters make yeah in the sense that yeah obviously it doesn't make sense for her that, that you know if she's being chased by the killer to run upstairs when she could leave the front door of the house <laughs> yeah, yeah but you go oh but the door's locked you know yeah and it makes yeah. sense within the conventions of the genre mm. you know we all say oh yeah i wouldn't do that so, but that's never actually happened to you you're the way you think 
about horror films is completely sculpted by your previous experiences with the horror movies. Mm, yeah, yeah. So you know what to expect. Yeah. Based on those conventions. And Craven's rationalization of the of these conventions almost gives them new life. Mm, yeah. And I think that's something that when we talk about his satirical element which is totally there even in, the, in within this, but I think it, it it's not like he's not taking the piss. No. He's he's being quite sincere. Uh, and he, he's expressing a love for a genre, not like a distaste for it, or or an, I guess a, a sort of expression of tiredness for mm. these tropes at all. Like he genuinely loves employing them in films, and yeah, I agree with you that why why shouldn't you just rationalise them and add a layer of logic that people can kind of appreciate? Yeah, and it's it's like when you think about with Scream, it's the killer's frenzied state or, or or which is typically shown as sort of ineptitude, the way that they sort of get tripped, they trip over, yeah. like stabbing the ground, you know. <laughs> but the film does such a good job of explaining that. The characters that ultimately end up being the killers in the first screen, for example, one of them is sort of excited by the idea of being a killer and the other yeah. one's sort of like a, almost portrayed as a bit of a sheep who just sort of like yeah. unwillingly follows this one person to be a murderer. That's right, yeah. So it only, would only make sense in the context of the sort of world that, that Craven has created that they would be a bit useless. Yeah, They don't yeah. really know what they're doing. They're not trained. They're, no. not, they're not like experts. <laughs> no. I, I think so much of the way we're, that like what draws people to like martial arts or fighting is built on the perception of watching movies. Oh, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I fucking hate seeing fights, but mm. when you've been on a night out and you see it, it's clumsy, it's oh, stupid. Yeah. Like, and and a lot nine times out of ten, nothing really happens because people, it's just so, people intervene and it's messy and there's no sort of guile or no, or, no or, resolution or either, resolution. It? It's just yeah, yeah. you know, I think that speaks quite nicely to the, to Craven's presentation of of that in in the context of the slasher film because yeah. these guys don't really have a clue what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. One's really up for it; the other one's sort of along for the ride. Yeah, yeah, and you get that sense of it in the two different versions of Ghostface mm. when, when the reveal eventually happens. Oh yeah, people analyse it, don't they? Yeah, they, yeah. Uh, they, they like to work out which one of them is doing the killing and you can apparently you can, you can tell, which is quite clever as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing about, I, I think you're right when you said that he clearly has reverence for it. Of course he's, you know, he, he's coming in to make a slasher film at a time when the slasher film was being sort of battered by sequels. Yes. Sequels that, as we explored earlier in our discussion regarding Nightmare on Elm Street, will focus more on the upfront visual stuff than they will the thematic stuff in the background. Yeah, yeah. So I think he is well aware of that, and he's using those conventions to address some sem- semblance of criticism. Yeah. But I think by embedding them again in, in theme, which is in this case, you know, the satire and homage yeah. and the wide you know the film itself yeah he, he gives he gives them that sort of energy that i think that maybe perhaps they didn't have in the in the films before that you know yeah, it, or yeah. indeed it, it films within the genre before that i don't know i just think it's an interesting point yeah yeah he did a, he did a wonderful job with um revitalizing the slasher genre and breathing new life into it should we go ahead and talk about the actual franchise now scream yeah yeah i mean i, I think because it's because because one obviously is i guess in many people's minds the best one when we talked about where's craven's new nightmare in terms of that meta and that, that sort of meta textual study of not only his own body of work or the genre that he works in but also a study of the industry itself yeah and yeah. that becomes more apparent in the scream films because mm. there's after the the incident of the incidents of the first film, Gail Winters, the reporter, played yeah. by Courtney Cox, yeah, yeah. she sells the story 
of of stab, stab, right? stab yeah, and it becomes yeah. stab, which becomes a film. <laughs> yeah, so it's like a film within a film. Brilliant. Yeah, and and, and that might sound trite and shit now, but back then that was pretty fucking clever stuff. Yeah, man, it was revolutionary. And just like the, I, I love the uh, the kind of the subtle way in Scream that he subverts tropes because obviously there's an overt side to it, but there's also like more more covert aspects of it, like uh, the fact that um, Henry Winkler, who, the Fonz, right? Yeah, the yeah. principal. So yeah, he, yeah. it's that that's such a great subversion of people's expectations is just like you're seeing you know the fonds from happy days as like a stuffy school principal yeah, like, oh, yeah. genius um also uh, the soundtrack the guy who did the soundtrack uh was told to write the score for a western is this Scream 1? Scream 1, yes. Oh, uh, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. Bizarre. And if you... Uh, there's a lot of original, there's a lot of so- actual songs in there, like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds and stuff. But Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the score is, uh, yeah, like, weirdly wet, like a Western. Bizarre. Anyway. Ah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. There you go. Scream. So, Scream. Scream. <laughs> then takes on, like, you know, this, this sort of study of the, the film industry... The relationship between culture and violence, mm. uh, the consumption of culture and violence, which is central to Scream Two. Yes, um, which is fascinating to see a filmmaker wrestle with that. Because I, I, I can imagine that argument was leveled at him quite a lot, as it was to many filmmakers of the time. Yeah, uh, we mentioned the video nasty era, era le- uh, earlier. Mm. Um, I think that was sort of the primary uh, motivation behind it was that this film is going to pollute. Who you know your children or pollute indeed anyone who watches these films. You know they're yeah, going yeah. to they're watch this film and they're going to you know turn into an axe murderer almost <laughs> immediately. Yeah, and I think it was interesting to see her address that full on. Yeah, and, and also reveal it's the way in which that idea is so easily manipulated. Yeah, I quite like Scream Two. You were saying that you were unsure about it, but after a um uh, a sort of lengthy evening debate, debate with yeah. Yeah, with uh, beloved Cinderboy Alfie, <laughs> uh, who isn't here to, to to sort of state his case. But can you sort of give me sort of a rundown of what your issues were with the film and what and how you've almost sort of come around a little bit? Yes, uh, I need to watch it again because I really think I'm going to enjoy it a lot more. What happened was I watched the first Scream, and I th- I recognised the the meta narrative I thought was really clever I thought it was yeah I, I really enjoyed it and I enjoyed it so much that I by default based on my previous experience with horror sequels thought the second one was probably not going to be as good yeah and I had that in my mind I think that's a fair thing to think really, yeah given on the I mean to be fair there's some standouts there's a text chainsaw massacre too yeah yeah um, although you know. I imagine if I was the same age and watched that at the same age that I watched Scream 2 I probably would have thought it was shit as yeah well. yeah do you know what? I think you're right yeah, yeah. yeah I think yeah I'm glad I, I discovered that film or well, not discovered because Lee recommended it to me but <laughs> like I'm, I'm glad I watched those films with this mindset I have now yeah to see definitely. the worth in those things more yeah definitely and I just didn't I didn't see the worth in it I thought it was another one another the you know, Cash m- more of the same, like The Exorcist Two, or even the other second Nightmare on Elm Street. I was just like, my expectations were low, and by default they were met. Mm. But I need to, I really need to see it again because it actually sounds really interesting. And then, but Al- Alfie, I, that conversation sticks in my mind. I always think to myself, "Fuck, I do need to watch Scream Two again." Yeah, yeah. I think I watched Scream Three quite soon after I watched Scream Two, and that cemented that idea that they were they were throwaway, yeah, needed yeah, yeah. sequels, right? Three isn't great. Is no, I know. No. What um, was it about Scream Two that 
that sort of now when you reflect on it that makes you think this is worth having another go at what what is it about because i think that craven is very smart in the sense that he knows that that he's sort of made a joke about sequels yeah and, yeah and part of his reason for the whole sort of structure of the original scream is to sort of mock that in the yeah. sense that not mock it but satirize it more in the sense that yeah. these things te- typically don't really have the the impact of their pre of the predecessor mm. uh, or indeed will end up sort of bludgeoning the genre so much that it deprives it of the the worth as any more than just a sort of gore fest yeah what what was it what's inspired this sort of because I'm, I'm always just interested to know how people's opinions sort of like change especially when met with uh, expectation a, a quite a legitimate expectation on yeah. the basis of sequels i just think that you know by and large i've got a lot more comfortable with reading about films and i've read a lot about scream 2 i've read a lot of the sort of critical consensus obviously i mentioned before the conversation with alfie and also now with you by extension uh, yeah, I just I I want to revisit it, and also having seen the the sixth one quite recently, and kind of being reintroduced to the to the franchise, I'm like, yeah, I need to give it another go because um, I, I need to update the old letterboxed <laughs> with, with a more favourable review. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, three not great. Nope. Uh, I don't even really remember three that much at all. No, I mean, no, it was pretty bland. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it, I think the main criticism that was leveled on it that w- was that it became what it was mocking. Yeah, and it became what it was. Sorry, satirizing really, uh, and it didn't offer much more than that. Yeah. It was. I think Craven was coasting a little bit with that film. Uh, he wasn't with four though. I don't think he did. He direct four. Yeah. Oh shit! It's one of his last films. Fucking yeah, hell! Yeah. That's ridiculous. That I've forgotten that. <laughs> yeah. No, um, yeah. I love four. Mm. I really, really like four. Um, I still think it's probably my favourite Scream sequel. Okay. Uh, yeah. I quite like five uh, and six. Obviously, we'll go into. But I think what is so interesting about four is that before that, the teenagers or the young adults that are sort of subject to the murderous rampages of Ghostface. Yeah are more sort of bystanders to horror logic. They rely explicitly on their knowledge of the media they have consumed to dictate how they move forward. Right, so obviously, yeah. and that serves, I keep saying the fucking word meta, which is probably going to piss some people off and quite rightly, <laughs> but, you know, Craven's meta in, in te- intention, yeah? Mm. Um, but it also helps to sort of drive the film on narratively. Yeah, so, yeah. The, the, you know, the teenagers will get together and there's always that one nerdy character who will go... Well, I've watched all these horror films, and this is what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So, in the sense now that they're just sort of more consumers, they're just consumers of this material. Yeah, yeah. But now, in Scream Four, you know, this film came out like when we're right on the cusp of this idea that everyone can be a creator. Right. Everyone yeah. can make anything. Yeah. Yeah, they can get their fucking like phone out, or in this case, I think it's like some bizarre webcam thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, which I fucking love because it's just like, the, sort of the, the beginnings of this technology, and it's yeah. a bit shit, and it's, like, <laughs> it's cumbersome, and yeah, the film makes it work. Yeah, and it, and it's funny. Like I was when there are films that are made in, in this sort of moment where technology is going to boom, but the sort of early stage of it's crap. They often <laughs> tend to be quite dated. Yeah, but yeah. in the sense of Screen Four, it just adds so much more to the charm of it. You know, it's this idea that victims are no longer, or indeed the the antagonists, they can create their own narratives in in a way that they're not just sort of like relying on or informed by the the culture they've consumed. Yeah, they can actually go out and make 
So they're more the active. Yeah, right, yeah they're, they're the creators yeah. now. Yeah. They're not just the consumers. They're the ones that can create yeah. their own stab films. Yes. And, yeah? yeah. And I just think that's a really fascinating thing that Craven wrestles with. And I think he does it really, really well. Yeah. And I think that being on the cusp of that new technology, a technology which is so such a huge part of the world we now live in, mm. I think that allows Craven, I think that sort of, it almost gives him the, the shot that he needs to sort of go back to form. You yeah. know, to, to sort of ta- tackle these themes with the kind of grace and sense of humour and uh, sort of sardonic nature that he did in the original Scream and to a slightly lesser extent, but just in some way effective Scream 2. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting, that. I know that when it got released, Scream 4 was a bit... Uh, it was quite mi- got quite a mixed critical yeah. reception, but apparently, especially since like the Me Too movement, it, it's got had a bit of a, re- a re-evaluation. Oh, wow, a lot, okay. a lot of other people have, uh, also hold, hold it in quite high regard now. Yeah, I think um, it's brilliant. I, mm. it's, I think it's still probably my, my favourite Scream film. I guess because we again we talk about keep fucking self-referencing ourselves but <laughs> in other episodes, but ideas, films as cultural artifacts. I think that's a, a real big one. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, uh, oh. in the sense of that technology, because there's a character that goes around with a webcam, doesn't he? Like, and it's just so like, yeah, weird now. Like, yeah, it, it's still it, sort it, of kind of inaccessible, but you know, I guess with the benefit of hindsight, that it's going to be so much more accessible. Yeah, yeah, and so much easier just to sort of create your own content. Mm. Um, and have your own impact on the world, yeah. Yeah. In a in a way that's much quicker than making a movie is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Going definitely. Through the studio system. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like it. Uh, and then five. Not seen five personally. Okay. Uh, Should have done because it would have helped watching <laughs> Scream Six, the beginning and the introduction of these characters, or rather the lack of introduction, confused the fucking hell out of me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, anyway, sorry, go on. No, I, I quite enjoyed Five. Um, I think it's the revival is very much in the spirit of Wes Craven. I think what I, what I like about the sort of self-referential uh, study of horror of horror, the horror genre is that the sort of lead actress, uh, is it Jenny Ortega? Yeah. Yeah, she... Has this exchange with Ghostface at the start in the classic screen way over the phone, and she's talking about these sort of highbrow horror films. Yeah, the yeah, presence yeah. of these horror films like The Babadook, oh, and she sort of has yeah. a discussion with Ghostface about The Babadook. Yeah. So it's always it's almost like this horror snobbery, this yes. sort of A twenty four horror thing, which we love and we yeah. you know, oh, and I yeah. continue to love. But I found that element of it quite enjoyable. It okay. sort of like um, sort of mocks that horror snobbery, right? In the sense that you know, slasher films tend to be these quite straight laced yeah grim you know spectacle movies very formulaic yeah yeah yeah. then you've got these filmmakers really sort of embedding themes and ideas into their films and having like long periods of silence and all that and there's this sort of motherhood as a theme yeah yeah Yeah. i just think it's really interesting that that is like one of the (laughs) conflicts in the film and it's it's quite subtle and it's it's threaded through the film and it bursts out every now and again but i quite like that about it but again it it does this thing where it it's, it's saying the same thing. It's, it's has characters basically listing the convention of horrors and saying, "Well, this is a recall now." Oh yeah, yeah. So that self awareness, but it doesn't really offer anything new with that. Mm. I don't know if it's because I have a real soft spot for screen films that I was it dampened my sort of critical eye a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. I remember coming away thinking, "Well, I mean, it certainly doesn't do anything really that new." Yeah, but the new cast are quite likable. And it had some shocks in it. I mean, Dewey fucking dies in it. So, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, I should have probably not told you that. I, uh, 
I got it from the sixth one. Oh yeah, it is explained, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Courtney Cox is like yeah, looking yeah. all sad at one of his pictures and yeah, stuff. I was yeah. like, oh, I guess he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I briefly going back. I love that character, the yeah. Dewey, the, the the in the kind of idea that obviously again it's a trope of slashes that there's a, a very competent police officer on the case. Yeah. You know, yeah Nightmare on yeah. Street is Nancy's dad. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this guy is just like a bit of a bit of a kind of um, a bumbling sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's really yeah. he's he's got good natured but he's hiding behind his badge yeah and yeah. his i love how his sister just sees right through it in, yeah, in the first yeah. one i think that's a really really good character actually and it was actually quite impactful when they killed him off because oh, they sort yeah. of address it in the film and say oh yeah you know the requel that means that the sort of the old guards are no longer protected that was that carried across in the sixth one yeah, as well. the, the, yeah. the legacy characters are no yeah, longer safe yeah, legacy yeah characters and yeah they they they, they deliver that mm. and it and it ends again i mean all these films typically end in a way there's the unmask and the reveal and it, i was like oh, okay whatever mm. it's sort of like, almost like a takedown of fandom yes okay um, this idea that fandom has become one of the central driving forces or the application of fan- fandom in, okay. in mainstream cinema which I yeah. would subscribe to, to to quite a high degree Yeah, and I oh, quite yeah. liked that, that there were some filmmakers going, no, fuck this Yeah, uh, let's take the piss out of these people Rightly uh, so, because they, yeah. Yeah, they deserve a bit of a you know, just getting taken down a peg. Yeah, think, yeah. I, 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 it's just a sort of a bit of an aside, but I think yeah, I, I think they get far too much Mm. They've been given far too much, and yeah. I think that they're you know, these campaigns and these things that people do when things don't go their way. It's just a yeah. bit weird, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, just to con- fucking accept it. Continuing, yeah, just continuing with this aside. There's a great. Um, I'm paraphrasing someone else here, but like, you know, the, the the greatest Star Wars fan you know quite like quite often isn't uh, quite often hates Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, I, mean? yeah. I know someone, I know people yeah. just like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, they they'll watch the originals and they'll have reverence for them. But anything new, yeah, they're like nah, it's just crap. hate it. And you're like, but it's the same. It's Star Wars. You, you yeah. love Star Wars. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. It's strange, isn't it? Funny. Uh, they don't know what they like. You no. don't know what you like. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but no, it's I, I liked that about it, mm. and um, I think that was something that again, it, it, it's not particularly. Uh, fresh, no, in the way that they do that, but it was anchored enough in the current cinematic landscape to make it feel somewhat more fresh. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's a sort of whistle stopped all through the screen. Films. <laughs> Should we just go straight into six? Yeah, yeah. Because um, so. it all leads up to it all leads up to this. It does. First thoughts? Because um, I think you might be a bit more negative about it than I was. Yeah, I think. Wham. I I'm mixed on it, right? I didn't I didn't hate it at all. I thought it was really enjoyable. I thought it was a nice succinct length. I thought there were some really great moments in it. Mm-hmm. I'll go through these. Uh, I'll go through those now. So the the opening scene uh, with the the teacher who's expecting a date. Great opening. Yeah. Really great opening. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was just a really lovely, really quite interesting, intriguing, fresh way to open the film. Weirdly wanted to follow her around for the rest of it. I don't know why I was like because I didn't because I hadn't seen five. I didn't even know there was going to be any characters in it. That, yeah, that, yeah. I was like, I can't, I'm kind of into this this plot. I kind of wanted the bloke to turn up and it for it to follow them around. So that was a really good opening scene. Um, I really loved the scene on the train. I thought the tension was really palpable in mm-hmm. that scene, mm-hmm. um, just in the way that they kind of. Uh, employed lighting and you know being on a kind of crowded New York subway yeah, train yeah, yeah. Um, 
and uh, I'd, I'd thought that was really good. Uh, I really liked. I mean, this is it was an indulgence of them to continue with the. It's kind of become a bit of a staple of the Scream franchise. But I did really like the conversation they had about the tropes and the updated yeah, and the yeah. idea of the franchise being the next thing mm-hmm. that they had to kind of follow through. Um, that was great. I thought those particular moments. I was like, that that's kind of top tier Scream. But there was just I I've explained I thought it was just a bit mutton dressed as lamb is what I said in my letterbox review. <laughs> uh, I just thought it was the, the tropes themselves, as meta as they once were, are becoming tired in and amongst of themselves. Like they don't, mm. they're not really adding anything new. It wasn't really that in, inventive by and large didn't care about any of the characters really okay uh, apart from courtney cox's one and then they didn't even have the balls to kill her off yeah uh, yeah i've never found ghostface particularly scary and i know that's not really the point i never thought he was a particularly menacing presence um that, this goes back to even the first one there's a bit there's a really weird shot in the first one where he's um he's kind of sneaking up to the house party and it's like a slow zoom into the into the hedgerow and he just like <laughs> He's got his knife, and he's just kind of like sneak snooping yeah, around. Yeah. I know you can't see me. I'm doing a little impression yeah, of him right it, now. Yeah, I can yeah. confirm he is doing it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I've never found it particularly scary. So uh, that side of things, yeah. Um, this is a really common criticism, um, but I, I was unwilling to suspend my disbelief that someone could get stabbed that amount of times and not just bleed out and like you know and <laughs> that's I know, a scream thing man. i know i that's know how scream works. it is it just uh, there's something about it this time that like don't know just didn't do it for me at the time um what i agree with in terms of your criticisms in the sense, sense that things are getting a bit stale i think is right yeah i think that the way that they attempt to sort of recalibrate the films of sort of meta Text. I keep saying meta. I think. Ah, no, that's right. Meta textual <laughs> um, <laughs> intentions to suit this world of franchises and endless sequels. You know, it definitely just ends up becoming the thing that Craven criticizes or yeah. critiqued all those years ago. Yeah, and I know people lever that criticism with him with three, but I think it's far more pres- present now. Yeah, in, no, I in, think in, so. In this film, and I think that just because you've got this sort of self awareness, it's not a get out of jail free card. No, no, no. You, you know what I mean? You can't be like, well, this is this, so we've got to do this. It's like, mm. well, yeah, but doesn't necessarily mean I'm not. I don't respect the the intention. Yeah, because no, it, I see. It, it, because there is like an, an attempt to criticize the landscape of mainstream Hollywood, and I think that's what Scream is at its best mm. really, really good at. But I think at this case, at this point, it's like, well, I would like to see some kind of change, some sort of commitment to doing something slightly different. If yeah. you're going to criticise this, then, I don't know, there's only so many times you can go, oh, look at this. Yeah. We're going to do this now and get away with it. No. So I completely respond, I completely agree with that. Um, I also agree with uh, the, the sort of sequences that you chose in terms yeah. of um, particularly the train sequence. I really liked, and I also liked. Sorry, the shop, the sequence in the corner shop. I don't. Think, what's the American equivalent of corner shop? I don't know what the word is. Oh, the like the Seven Eleven. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they run in. And you think, oh, he's not coming in, and he comes in. Yeah, and I yeah. I thought, fucking hell. And what I really liked about that is that moving to that more populated urban setting, it sort of 
breathes more life into the set pieces. Yeah, that was a and good it, scene. And it sort of heightens a sense of tension that is otherwise lost in the, I guess what you would consider the long familiar, sort of more domestic or isolated settings. Fight, that, fights in yeah, kitchens, yeah, right? Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I like, and I love that. Again, at its best, it's great. Yeah. And that heightened the tension for me in a way that I've not really been particularly, felt particularly tense in a screen film ever. Yeah, yeah. Because I think I was, you know, too old by the first one to be really impacted by it mm. and the resulting sequels when I'd sort of thought, okay, I know what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. I, You know, but I, what I liked about this was that that sort of hiding in plain sight sort of thing, mm. well, not even hiding in certain cases, it yeah. really gave gave it a sense of tension there. Yeah. Because now the killer's not afraid to come out into into populated spaces and, and commit these acts of murder. It's true, actually, yeah. That... And I found that I found that quite impactful. I um, uh, also got a shotgun. Yeah, yeah, shit. Like, yeah. So maybe there we go. There's something new with that. I I did like that scene as well. That was a scene I forgot about. It might be because it was in the trailer, but I did like that scene. Yeah, that I was, it was a really, really good great. One. I really, really more of that would have been cool for me. I'd have quite enjoyed it. I didn't. Again, the whistle stop tour. I mean, we we've, we've just done that now with, yeah. our, with our with our podcast, but the whistle stop tour and then going for the legacy and then having like a museum to scream. I didn't really buy that. I thought that was a bit naff. Yeah. I thought they could have done a lot more with the fact that it was an abandoned cinema. I thought they were going to say something about the fact that cinemas were not as, uh, as kind of revered as they Mm. were in the past. They just squandered that opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Considering it's, it has, it's it's a film franchise that has absolutely no qualms about being obvious and what it's trying to critique. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly about sort of like quite, pressing issues about the nature of the medium mm. the way we engage with it um yeah. the way that it's marketed to us sold to us and yeah. you felt yeah you're right i didn't consider that mm. i did though i did like the cast i, I don't okay. know why particularly the two sisters i think it might be just because ortega is such a good actress that mm. and and the, and her sister i think her arc about sort of being billy loomis's daughter i mean it's fucking naff oh contrived, yeah, yeah. But i didn't mind that too. it works in the context of scream and it felt like quite an interesting throwback yeah and i like i think she plays that quite well this idea that there's this sort of residual psycho within her and it <laughs> yeah. doesn't really have a lot of those weird psychological flat- <laughs> sort of um realism to it um no. depending on what you believe i guess uh within there's that those, field but this is a bit where she kind of talks to her Billy Loomis, Billy yeah. Loomis, like in a reflection. Yeah, um, yeah, that was a bit funny. Yeah, um, I thought it was quite naff. It was yeah. almost like American soap. Yeah, yeah, which I sort of <laughs> worked for me in a way. I don't know, but I really liked them. Mm. Everyone else was a bit, a little less. The antagonists of the film were rubbish, but then they often are in screen films because they tend to reveal themselves. Yeah, it was at, a bit cheap. Yeah, um, I think the best, obviously, screen one does at the best with. with yeah. um, keeping them so close yes. again another sort of subversion of the the, mm. the the slasher genre that it's within it's not this exterior force yeah it's yeah, yeah. within within your within your close circle which i think the franchise even now has always done quite well mm. but the the way that they reveal i mean the reveal for this one was such a tenuous link to scream five and oh yeah yeah you know like i just thought that I uh, I didn't I, I to 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 its credit I didn't guess it would be the police oh yeah uh, the police officer yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. what's what's that actor's name he's quite a famous chap yeah um, yeah I can't remember anyway uh, I did think it was a bit odd that he was mourning his daughter's death and then in the next scene he was fine yeah, uh, yeah. but I then I I kind of dismissed that as the throwaway oh that's just the cl- one of the classic scream does that really well yeah yeah, yeah. yeah like 
they, they, they sort of try and I think this to guess to these films detriment a little bit because they really try and explore the psychological impact of this way of life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then they're sort of like high fiving each other, and I guess <laughs> yeah. you're supposed to sort of half expected to sort of tolerate it and accept it. But again, mm. how much of a free pass do we give that that self awareness? I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Didn't yeah. think it was as clever as all that. No. Um, it pretended to be clever. Uh, and this one had a bit of a... I, I, I just felt at the time that it was it was ultimately looking down on certain films. And also ignoring others. Like, Whereas you, you were saying that the fifth one had a... Is it the fifth one, fifth one with the Babadook? Yeah. Um, and a discussion about that. That sounds really fascinating. With this one, they didn't really touch on that. They could have been... They could have talked about... I don't know don't breathe or an eden lake or something yeah yeah it's <laughs> just something slightly different would have been refreshing but they largely kept to criticizing franchises as a broad yeah broad idea yeah idea and they didn't hone down on anything um what else did i like about it i did oh yeah um the ladder the, the scene with the ladder that was quite fun yeah yeah um, that was again a little bit of a nail-biting moment yeah yeah it was um, grim as well. It was quite a grim screen film, I thought. Oh yeah, yeah, grimmer like, than the others. Yeah, by, quite, by, I mean, five was definitely a step up. Mm. Um, but for, six is definitely the most grim screen film in terms yeah. of just the, the nature of the violence. Yeah, I mean, although I said earlier about you know people getting stabbed and then being fine, that there there's some ripping of like stomachs. Yeah, <laughs> in it, which yeah. are really quite grotesque. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a shot in it. Of New York. This was shot in Canada, by the way. Oh, was uh, it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Shot of it in New York. A kind of bird's eye view of the city. You see it a lot in mm. a lot of films. And there's a big H and M logo. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> Do that. you remember that bit? Yeah, yeah. It's weird. Really Did you say that? I was like, yeah, what the yeah. fuck's that doing there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that a sponsor? I don't know. Weird, uh, a lot of cause light in this film as well. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Big, uh, big sponsor of sort of weak American beer seems to find its way into a lot of screen films. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's strange, isn't it? I think it. That's the sort of sad reality of modern modern Hollywood now. I think it's just yeah. getting harder and harder to escape advertising, even with things like the cinema. You not only do you have to sit. I mean, this is a fucking aside, but no, you have to sit in the fucking cinema for half an hour and watch shit adverts. <laughs> yeah, and, you, and and it's always really fucking annoying when you sat next to someone that laughs at them all as well. Oh yeah, because yeah. you know there's some fucking dickhead in advertising is making far too much money to dream up this shit. <laughs> it's going to be thinking, brilliant, I've done it. There we go. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, so I've got to sit through that for fucking half an hour, and now yeah. in my fucking films, I'm getting advertised to. Yeah, you know, I know it's the nature of the beast. I know that, you know, like from a creative perspective, sometimes you've just got to fucking clamber atop of fucking big cock of advertising <laughs> to get a bit more money to realise yeah. the better parts of a movie. Yeah. I accept that, and I don't look down on the filmmakers particularly. No, because I think that's a ridiculous attitude to have. No, uh, I think you can only sort of, you know, there are very few people who can sort of say. You know, they have this purity and say, "Oh, I stayed away from it." You know, and we can say that now because we're not successful filmmakers. <laughs> yeah, um, we stayed away from advertising things yeah. in our non-existent movies. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, my version of Scream wouldn't have a H and M advert in it, absolutely, but not. it will forever remain un- unmade. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just think it's I don't know a fact of the modern world that advertising is slowly encroaching more and more. Yeah. On any creative practice. Strange. Or the output of a creative practice. Um, yeah, that yeah. It sucks. It does suck. Yeah, it was so weird to see it sort of so so at the forefront. I was like, H&M? 
I, I remember seeing that in like the shopping centre when I was like, yeah, 10. yeah. Like, what is this doing in yeah, Scream yeah. Six? I'm just thinking yeah. about fucking naff vest tops now for like, the first <laughs> ten minutes of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. Um, again, I have a real soft spot for the films, and I think that might have guided me away from being from my criticisms really manifesting into something deeper mm. to the point that I stopped enjoying it. Yeah. What I didn't like, it spent more time with the characters. Oh yeah. And it spent more time with the relationships of the characters. Yeah. And again, I that felt to me like bad TV drama writing at points. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, I know it's like oh meta, but it's yeah. like I don't know, like that's the original Scream films, they felt quite heightened and silly, but they never sort of retreated into full-blown saccharine romance will they won't they yeah yeah that's just not yeah yeah i'm I'm, I'm not i'm not about that i don't think that really compliments the film it sort of it makes the new blood more annoying yes yeah and that's not what you want particularly when you like not prepared to pay neve campbell as much money you've killed off dewey cox and you've mortally wounded uh gail weathers gail weathers Mm. uh i sort of i I kind of thought they were gonna do good on their promise of uh Killing off all the legacy characters, I yeah. was kind of very ready for her to die. Yeah. Um, and when they didn't, when it was revealed right at the very end, they were like, oh, "Actually, a lot of these people aren't dead." <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. right. Oh, okay. Fair. Fine. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But no, I, I, I definitely didn't hate it at all. I was unfair a little bit. I was maybe I was just in a shit mood or something. But um, I think it maybe is a bit more of a three star for me now. Okay. Ultimately, um, yeah. Would would see it again if. Someone else wanted to watch it. For example, mm. I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't chuck it on myself on my own. Um, but yeah, there you go. It's interesting. I think my, as the screen films get old, as the screen films go go on, as you, if you watch them in sequence, that feeling of um, taking part in a subversive act slowly goes away. Yeah, and I think that might be something to do with the fact of franchises just sort of cashing in. I don't know, and I think that's where where Craven's criticisms uh, loom in the background of this film and grow in intensity throughout. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I think that's part of the reason why the film just doesn't have as much impact in the sense that it does just sort of feel like a resurrection of a lot of the ideas. And the way they bring them into the sort of contemporary, into the zeitgeist (laughs) works to to varying degrees, but... Yeah, I just think that's an interesting point. The, mm. the act of watching horror films as subversion is, I just, I just don't see it as um, being as a prevalent a motivator no. as it is as it was. And again, I'm talking with reverence for a period of history I wasn't even born in, but <laughs> I don't know. I just think that's an interesting point to sort of yeah tack on towards the end. Definitely, I wouldn't know where to start now with like if if I was like 14 mm. and I wanted to, or maybe even younger, like 12, and I wanted to watch. A horror movie, there there wouldn't be as much sneaking around. I could just chuck it on the iPad, you know. What yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so maybe that's a factor um, that I remember when I was, I had to like source the video from a mate. Yeah, you know, um, the digitization of media, man. It's made things so much more fucking convenient. And I'm not saying that I don't, I'm not privy to that. I absolutely am. I just think that that, that physical nature it makes it more of an event in so many different ways, depending on the film you're watching, the genre of the film. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this could quickly get really fucking nerdy and a nerdy attempt to justify my extortionate blu-ray collection <laughs> that i still insist on maintaining oh, lovely <laughs> but um yeah no i think you're right i think the digital age is harder mm. i mean because in a way it shouldn't be because it's like easier 
So the access yeah. is easier, so more people should be able to just engage with these things. Yeah. But for some reason, I don't know if this is maybe like nostalgia playing a part. Maybe. Um, as we talk about again a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I agree. I agree yeah. with you. I think that's an interesting point. Fair enough. Yeah. Right. Cool. Questing the cinematic void. Scream 6 then. Good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Re- uh, relatively good stuff. Relatively good stuff, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, Good fun talking about that. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think you probably get it from the, the sense from the tone of our voices that it's just something we really want to talk about for a while. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, love horror films, love slash films, and love Wes Craven. Yeah. However, as always, we must move away mm. in our outro. We, we, you know, we can't, we can't linger. We mustn't linger. No. <laughs> uh, and we must always look ahead. Yes. Ever forwards. We're going to be doing John Wick Chapter Four. Yes. A franchise that is bizarrely hugely popular. Yes. And I don't mean bizarrely necessarily in a negative sense. I just think it's really strange that this franchise is still going. Yeah. And, and the latest offering of which is two hours and 49 minutes long. That's insane. That is in- For an action film I know. like John Wick, that w- is insane. Because the... the- they take pride of being fast paced like, yeah yeah so how they've managed to have that runtime, I really hope they've got a, done a good job and, yeah, and that's I, warranted because fuck me I did I sort of started to get the sense with the third one that it's getting a bit self indulgent mm. I don't know it had a great start of that franchise so it'd be interesting to see how they sort of continue that in, in, a, in a very very long yeah, yeah. <laughs> movie well um, also that would mean as it's out next Friday that we might be a little bit of a longer break. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know um, right at the start, when we when we sort of um, bought Soda Boys something back into your ear holes, we said that it would be once every two weeks. So yeah. really, we're already performing better than our initial <laughs> predictions. Yeah, for uh, ten, ten whole episodes. Ten whole yeah. episodes. It really, nice. yeah, it's, it's really nice. It feels like actually quite a nice achievement. Yeah, man. Yeah, 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 yeah I don't have a lot to be achieved. Lots to, 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 I've not, not achieved much. So this is this is this is big for me. But uh, so that might mean there'll be a longer break than usual, which will work because you know we both got stuff on. Yeah, man. And uh, we might need a bit more time to focus on that. But rest assured, we will be back when we're back. We will be back, all guns blazing. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, sure in the meantime enjoy this episode enjoy mm. any one of our well 10 other episodes because there's a pilot episode on there as well so technically uh, this is 11 episodes this is 11 yeah enjoy any of those listen back to those if you want <laughs> yeah. uh, and we'll be back very soon it'll go quick yeah, don't worry yeah. don't, don't you worry don't worry you, have, you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> see ya bye bye